Conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Chapter 3 of the book of Amos opens with these words um, in the New Living Translation. Listen to this message that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the entire family I rescued from Egypt. From among all the families of the earth, I have been intimate with you alone. That is why I must punish you for your sins. Have you ever wondered how Israel could go from being this unique people that had this special intimacy with God to being judged and awaiting punishment? Intimacy implies knowledge, personal knowledge of someone or someone's, or uh, having an experience or experiences with someone by which you could say, I know them. And God gives context to this knowing. God anchors this intimacy um, that's found in these two verses 
by saying, this is for every family I rescued from Egypt. No other peoples on the face of the earth had known God like them. The children of Israel saw God act on their behalf to rescue them from the heavy weight of Egyptian oppression and slavery. Their freedom was stolen. Their wealth was stolen. Their children were murdered. They were beaten and they were whipped. They were made to be other and therefore less than human. But God rescued them and they received their promise of land so they could build a nation. Through each aspect of their formation, God created, entered, and acted in time and space, calling imperfect Moses to lead them. God sent plagues until Pharaoh let the children of Israel go. The miracles in the deserts, in the desert uh, where their clothing and shoes didn't wear out as they marched for 40 years. Bread fell from the sky and water came from rocks. Battles were won in the midst of incredible odds. And God sent judges to correct them and kings to rule them. God lived with them in the tent of meeting. And then God lived in the temple. They saw the manifestation of their God in fire and in cloud and even on the face of Moses. God rescued them again and again from ill treatment and harm. God gave them commandments on how they were to live together, loving God and each other, to become a nation that was called in its fullness Israel. And by the time of the writing of this chapter, to be two nations, Israel to the north and Judah to the south. How do you go from all of that to the words we hear in Amos, the words of judgment and awaiting punishment. I can only conclude as I read the text, based on the things that they had done to the poor, to the least of these, the people who were not elite, that it is because they'd forgotten who they were. They'd forgotten their knowing of the one who gave them definition, who gave meaning to life. They lost touch with God because they lost that intimacy that anchored them. The knowing of their identity in their God. How do you go from intimacy to judgment, punish and consequence? You lose touch. Intimacy is lost or it's no longer valued and pursued. The most straightforward example or analogy I can use is that of spouses. Uh, once upon a time there was intimacy in their relationship, but over time they lost touch with one another and for whatever reason they ceased to continue to learn of one another. It's easy to think you know all there is to know about your significant other, your spouse, your parents, a close friend, your sibling. So you stop being engaged in a living relationship with them. And then there is stagnancy. That stagnancy takes over. It's so easy to think that you're still connected based on the old connections. 
but because there's stagnancy, things have warped and decayed. You and I you know, may draw conclusions and base our actions, our behaviors on those conclusions. I can so easily hear myself saying to my spouse, my parent, my brothers, my friends, I thought you would have wanted me to do blank and hear them saying back to me, I don't know why you thought that. I would never want you to do that. And just be dumbfounded about how I could have gotten things so wrong because I thought I knew them. And many of us, if, if we really dare to be honest, might have found ourselves in places we never expected, doing things we never expected we'd do. We'd forgotten ourselves. I've been in situations and found myself saying, I am Cleo Wright's daughter. And I know my mother didn't raise me to be here doing this. And having to pull myself together and get out of the place I found myself in. So I'll say this. When you lose intimate touch with those who or that which grounds your identity, we easily forget. We forget our very selves. And when we forget ourselves, forget who we are as individuals and as a people, we can end up in a position like Israel ended up in Amos. I've directed our attention to Amos just because I want us to learn from the book. When we forget ourselves, like I said, we can forget ourselves. We can end up in a position like Israel. If we look at verse 10 of that third chapter, the Lord says, My people have forgotten how to do right. My people have lost touch, if you allow me to, to, to phrase it a little bit differently. My people have lost touch with right, with righteousness, with a capital R meaning with God who's righteousness. And now they have forgotten how to do what is right. Verse 10 goes on to say, their fortresses are filled with wealth taken by theft and violence. Or again, if you allow me to phrase it just a bit differently, now they've fortressed or fortified themselves, isolated themselves, separated themselves, made security for themselves with the wealth taken by stealing and through violence. They've lost intimacy with God and don't know who they are. They've forgotten how to do right and now are finding security in wealth they've stolen. They've made security for themselves because they no longer found their security in God, in this relationship. When I listen to that, when I read those words, when I think of my questions and things as I hold Amos in my hand and read it, I can't help but think that sounds like us here and now. That sounds like the country we live in and the people we live with and love. It sounds like us. It sounds like the sum of us right now. When I ask the question, 
Who do we think we are? I want to name wonderful things about my nation. I want to name wonderful things about the American church. But because I can't easily do that, I go for a smaller group of friends and associations. And I think that I'm reflected in the smaller group. And I want that to be okay. I want that to be enough. But the this book of Amos is teaching me that I can't be okay with just those small associations and groupings. Listen, in Amos, God judged the entire nation of Israel. Now, I'm not saying that God is going to judge us in America and condemn us in America will be no longer. I'm not paralleling us in that way with judgment. I want us to focus on what got them into the situation they were in. I don't want to take the wrong approach with this. I'm not trying to, 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 to manipulate through fear. I'm not interested in any of that. So, I want to focus on mercy and grace. And I'm choosing to focus on the grace we have in God to make corrections here and now. Too often we live like what is, is what will always be. So Amos is teaching me, and I hope it teaches you, that we can't just be okay with identifying with a smaller group that we can feel alright and feel good about ourselves with. God held the nation accountable. The book of Amos is teaching me that I have a role to play in correcting the course of my nation. That I share this responsibility with the other folks of faith within my nation. Who do we think we are is a question that requires that we locate ourselves as a community within the context of the nation. It requires that we situate ourselves in our context. Christians, followers of Christ, have avoided situating ourselves in our context with our I'll fly away to heaven escapism theologies. We've avoided situating ourselves in the context, in our context by disassociating ourselves from the structures, the policies, the practices, and the people that create and sustain marginalization and poverty. We avoid situating ourselves in our context because we avoid sharing life with those most impacted by those structures and policies and practices. We visit them, but we don't share intimacy with them as God does. We think of them as dangerous people, as needy, as the uneducated, the unwashed. We think of ourselves as a gift to them. When in fact, they participate with God in offering us the gift of salvation. As we do it unto the least of these, Jesus said, we do it unto him. As we receive them, we receive Christ. Now listen, I like the question. Who do we think we are? 
to me it requires thoughtfulness but but maybe I shouldn't word it that way to ask the question who do we think we are gives us the opportunity to answer the question any way we want that's not my intent but maybe it's the who we think we are that's gotten in the way all along see Israel's answer to the question was we are the children of God and they thought because they were the chosen excuse me we are the chosen of God and because they uh, thought of themselves as the chosen of God they thought that God wouldn't allow anything bad to happen to their nation that God would always intervene and provide rescue they thought in terms of their nation, they thought harm would come from the outside into the nation, but they failed to realize that the truer harm came from within. Maybe a better phrasing of the question is, who are we? Or better yet, who are we in relation to the marginalized, in relation to the poor? Maybe we would give more thoughtful answers about our collective state of being if we asked it that way. Maybe we'd seek more diverse yet genuine relationships if we believe God was actually asking that question of us. And even if we answered it in the way that Israel did, by saying we are the children of God, we are followers of Christ, we are the church, maybe these answers would have more depth of meaning because to hear God asking the question would require intimacy of us. It would require us to be connected to God. That we find ourselves situated in the context of a loving God, loving humanity and creation through Jesus' body, the church. Who do we think we are? Who are we? Who are we in relation to the marginalized and the poor? Answering any of these questions honestly requires defining ourselves in the relations in relation to God and the responsibility God gave us to care for others. It's our duty, it's our responsibility, and hopefully one day it will be our joy as we answer this question, these questions. Who do we think we are? Who are we? Who are we in relation to the poor? Israel failed in their answer because they made them other, they made them enemy. And in this country, we are failing and we are all witnessing the failure. Some would say now I'm talking about politics and the church and politics should never go together. I'm not talking about a particular political figure. I'm talking about politics, the way we negotiate life together. And right now we negotiate life together based on arbitrary criteria that we made up. When God has given us criteria, a standard that God is looking at us and measuring us by, who are we? means if we answer it 
in the light of our faith, in the commitment and compassion that we have, in the wholeness of the Spirit, in our hope, in our joy, in our effort. We answer it. We are the children of God. We are the church. We are followers. Then we will do as God asks of us. And we'll learn the lesson that is there for us in this book of Amos. That we have to consider our ways and how we treat those who are less than, that we may all be elevated into a community of us. And that the sum of us will not be measured in how we keep good from one another, keep hope from one another, beat each other down, but how we raise one another up. So you and I, as a community of faith, in the midst of this nation, get to ask this question. Who are we in relation to the marginalized and poor? And answer it honestly for who we are right now. And then we'll have an opportunity to answer it in the future, in the future, for who we aspire to be. May God bless you today. Amen.
Christian era, Nicole Nordeman, and it is a prayer for when we don't need something miraculous from God, but we need him to just be with us in the quiet and stillness and the scary. And um, I've always loved this song. It makes me cry. Um, so get out your tissues, but hopefully you can pray along with this song. Um, that he will be small enough to be next to us, to be close. 